أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم page number 18 verse 153 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you people who believe إِسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ Seek help through patience and through prayer إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ If you are patient, then remember that indeed Allah is with those who are patient. He does not leave them. He helps them. He gives them the courage to continue. He helps them survive. He helps them succeed. And He gives them immense reward for their patience. So be patient when life gets difficult. Now in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us a very important thing. a very important lesson for life. And he begins the command by saying, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you people who believe. What does this mean? That for a believer, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding over here is essential. It's very, very important. So for believers, sabr and salah are extremely important. Meaning without sabr and without salah, a believer cannot survive. A person cannot survive. They are essential for your success, for your survival. So, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِسْتَعِينُوا When you're in difficulty, don't just sit with that difficulty. Don't just sit with that hardship. Don't give up. Seek help. Do something to help yourself. And what are the two things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us to do here? Sabr. And we discussed the meaning of sabr. That it is basically that you make yourself do something that is important. Even if you dislike it. Even if you find it hard. So sabr, self-control, discipline. And secondly, salah. Turn to Allah. And seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also. And when you will do that, then remember that the help of Allah is going to be with you. Because, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ In the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions something very important also. You see, in life there are many hardships. But what's the worst thing that can happen to a person? They die. One is that you lose money. Another is that you get very sick. Another is that you lose your friends. Another is that you lose your family. Right? Another is that you lose your job. Whatever it is. But imagine that a person loses their life. They're no longer alive. They have died. So even with this hardship, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that be patient and think of it in a positive way. How? That وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَنْ يُقْتَلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أَمْوَاتِ That those people who are killed in the way of Allah, don't even say that they are dead. Don't even use the word dead for them. Because the word dead or death is a very sad word. Isn't it? It's a very sad word. It's a very sad reality. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us over here that even when it comes to our language, the words that we use, we should use, we should choose positive words. We should look at things in a positive way. So those who have been killed in the way of Allah, don't call them dead. Why? Because بَلْ أَحْيَاءٌ They are actually alive. They have just moved on from this world, but it doesn't mean that they have stopped existing. No. They have left this world 
But they are now living another life, a new life, a life near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is the nature of that life? وَلَكِنْ لَا تَشْعُرُونَ You don't understand, you don't know it. You cannot know it because it's a different world. So what do we learn from this ayah? That even when there is a huge loss, in reality, on one side there is loss, but on the other side there is gain. You have lost something, but at the same time you have also gained something. You know like the example they gave, that when you look at a glass that is half filled with water, don't say that it is half empty. Right? Say that it is half full. Because yes, it's true. It's empty on one side, but on the other side, it is still full. And that is exactly how life is. That is exactly how every difficulty is. On the one side, there is hardship, but on the other side, there is ease. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, inna ma'al usri yusra. With difficulty is ease. So can we think of every difficulty in this way now? That with every problem is also a solution. With every disease is a cure. Isn't it? That's what the Prophet wasallam said. We just haven't found the cure yet for some things. But there is a cure for every disease. That's what the Prophet wasallam taught us. So look at things positively. Don't focus on what is going wrong. Focus on what is also going right. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prepares us a very important life lesson. And what is that? That stop expecting this life to be a bed of flowers. You're not in Jannah. You're living in this world. So in this life, what's going to happen? وَلَنَّبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُورِ We are definitely, definitely going to test you with some hunger, with some fear and hunger. I want you to look at the word min. You see, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِنَ الْخَوْفِ You know what this means? Something of fear. Something of hunger. Meaning a little bit of fear, a little bit of hunger, a little bit of poverty, a little bit of disease. What does this mean? That in life you will face difficulties and these difficulties will be of many kinds. But no difficulty is going to be so big that it will destroy you. It's going to be a little bit. بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُورِ وَنَقْصٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ So there will be fear. And we discussed this verse before also. But what kind of fears do we experience in life? Does it ever happen to you that you really feel afraid? Like you feel like you're, you're shivering and you're getting out of breath and you're getting so nervous. What are those times when you feel like that? When do you feel scared? Okay, when you're unsure of the outcome of something. Haven't you ever felt afraid when you're about to lose a game? Do you feel nervous at that time? Like I honestly, there's some games that I cannot play. Like really I cannot. I start and I start freaking out. I'm like, I'm going to fall. I'm going to bump into a train. You know, I'm going to eat something that's poisonous. 
You know, I'm going to fall on something that's pokey. It makes me nervous. I remember, you know, these um, racing games. I could never play those. Never. Car racing ones. I could never play those. Because I would always be afraid that I was going to bump into something. Now, this is very silly. You might think it's very silly. But what are some fears that we experience? What are some fears that we experience? In what situations do we feel afraid? When you're taking a test. That's true. Have you ever heard people failing their driving test? Yeah? Like I remember one person, she was so good at driving, she went for her test, she was so nervous she forgot to put her seatbelt on. Seriously. I remember when I was taking my test, I passed by the way, Alhamdulillah. But when I was taking my test, I forgot to do the, you know, the handbrake? Completely forgot. And then the examiner is like, your handbrake. And I didn't realize which way I was supposed to go. I just kept moving it up and down, up and down, up and down. It happens. You make these silly mistakes when you're afraid. So when you're taking a test, what other time do we feel afraid? So as parents, you feel afraid for the well-being and safety of your children. You're afraid for other people, for people that you love. You don't want them getting hurt. If you have friends and family in some part of the world where there's, let's say, a hurricane or you know, it's a war zone or things like that, there's insecurity, you feel afraid for them. You're afraid of even attempting something because you're worried that you might fail. Okay, what else? Okay, in the middle of the night when you have a nightmare, it is very frightening. I mean, you think nightmares are for children, for little kids... But even adults, do you get scared of like some animals maybe? Like a dog? Imagine if it's just running towards you. Or maybe a snake, flies, wasps. Like I've seen older people get scared of house flies. Seriously, I remember the first time I saw a child, I think she was about six or seven years old, and she's like screaming. I'm like, why is she screaming? I looked carefully and there was a house fly. A house fly chasing her because there was like sugar all over her. So she was scared of the house fly. Alright? You get scared of animals. You get scared of the weather. You get scared of darkness. Are there any people that you're scared of? Every time you see them, you're like, <gasps> okay, when you're going for an interview, right? When you get called in the office, airport security, <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, I mean, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, He could have given us complete 100% security in this life. But we know that in this life there is no 100% security. You could drop a knife with your own hand and injure yourself. Correct? And sometimes the feeling of fear is just beyond your control. You're telling yourself, Stop being scared. But what happens to your heart? It just doesn't slow down. And there are situations that are beyond your control. So these situations when we feel afraid, what are they? A test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the question is, what are we supposed to do in times of fear? So all of these things that we discussed, times when we feel afraid, these are tests from Allah. 
So what are we supposed to do when we feel afraid? So the first thing is when you feel afraid, turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect you, to keep you safe, to give you calmness. When you're feeling anxious, and sometimes anxiety is like, is crippling, you cannot focus, you cannot get anything done. So in these times, turn to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Or for example, recite ayatul kursi. Recite the quls for your protection. Say, أَعُوذُ بِكَلِمَاتِ اللَّهِ التَّامَّاتِ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقِ So say these du'as to protect you. Turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, when the companions were in one of the battles, the battle of Ahzab, remember that all the Muslims were basically trapped in the city of Medina, and there was a trench that they had dug, and on the other side of the trench were thousands of people who had come to fight them. Now imagine the Muslims were guarding that trench for an entire month. They couldn't get proper rest in the day or in the night because they were constantly guarding the trench. They had to be outside. And it was cold. It was windy. They didn't have enough food. They were exhausted. And now imagine the state of their heart. How anxious they must have been feeling. So they went to the Prophet wasallam and they said that we feel like our hearts are going to jump out. You know like when it's pumping so hard, it's like they felt that their heart was just going to come out. So the Prophet wasallam taught them to say, Allahumma stur awratina wa amir rawatina. That, O oh Allah, conceal, hide, cover our weaknesses and calm our fears. Calm our fears. So ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you calmness. This is something that we have to do in a time of fear. Turn to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, in fear, be hopeful. Be hopeful. Remind yourself that no matter how bad the situation is, it's going to be over soon. No matter how scary it is, it's going to be over soon. You're going to get out of it quickly inshallah. Sooner or later, you'll be out of it. So it'll be history. Don't let that fear take control of you. Don't let that fear dominate over you. So the first thing is khawf. Second, jur, some hunger also. When do we feel hungry? Maybe we don't know what hunger is. Because most of the time, we have to leave the food that's on our plate. We have to say to our parents, I don't want to eat anymore. Hmm? But what are the times when people feel hunger? Okay, when you're fasting. Okay, in school, when you're in class, waiting for lunchtime. Okay, that's a good way of looking at it also, that sometimes you're not necessarily hungry for food, but you're hungry for something that you really want. And so that desire for something that you want, and that realization that you don't have it, it just drives you crazy. It makes you really upset. Like for example, if you're hungry for Netflix. If you're hungry for the next episode, but you have to wait for an entire week. You're hungry for these things. You know, it's need, neediness. And as human beings, our needs keep changing. And our desire for those needs keeps getting stronger with time. 
You want something, you ask your parents, no. You ask again, no. Third time you open your mouth, before even you say what you say, no. And you're just getting rejection like all the time from everybody. So it's very hurtful. It's very disappointing. So when we are in a state of hunger, that is also a test. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, we could have parents that were so generous that they gave us a thousand dollars every day. For example, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, that could have happened, right? He can give, isn't it? Does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not have enough to give to His servants? He has more than what we can take. So if Allah wanted, He could have given everything that we desire here in this life. But He decided not to do that. He decided to test us with deprivation, with hunger, being deprived, not having something. So the question then is that when we feel hungry for food or for things, what should we do? Because that is what matters. Hunger is a test. Neediness is a test. So when we are in that situation, what should we do? Like for example, you really want that phone. And you show your broken phone to your dad and you're like, you know. Or you show it to your husband and he's like, huh? Why'd you break it? Why are you so irresponsible? So you know you're not getting a new phone for a while. Now what do you do with that broken phone and that broken heart also now? What should you do? Because this rejection is a test. So what should you do in this test? Okay, first of all, look at what you have. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you are grateful, then I will increase your blessings for you. So first of all, look at what you have, be grateful for what you have, be pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you, even if it's a little, even if it's broken. Secondly, make dua. Ask Allah to give you what you need. When we want something, we go to people. We ask them, we beg them. And what do people do? They say no, they reject us. So turn to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sahaba would even make dua for new shoelaces. Can you imagine? If a shoelace broke, you know what they would do? They would make dua. There is nothing too small that you can ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. And nothing too big that you can ask Him for. Everything you need is worth asking. You can ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for whatever that you need. So when you are in a state of hunger, when you are in a state of need, turn to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That, oh Allah, you give me. And you know what? Maybe you don't get the thing that you really want immediately. But because of that dua, what will you get? Closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which is far better for you than the things that you want. Okay. So khawf and jur. Then naqsim min al-amwal. Shortage of wealth, loss of wealth. How does that happen? When you don't have enough money, or when you had something and you know you lost it, or it broke, it's useless now. Naqsim min al-amwal. How do we experience this in our lives? You want to wear a nice hijab. You go open your drawer, and you see that one is stained, and another one is ripping, and another one is getting really old. And now you have to go somewhere and you want a nice one and nothing matches your outfit. 
and you're getting super upset, this is naqsim min al-amwal. Any other example? So for example, if there is some disturbance in your community, in your city, whether it is political or it is because of some natural disaster, and so your entire property or part of your property is damaged, what else? Okay, you don't have a job anymore. You could work through the summer, but now September is coming, you have to be in school. When are you going to work? And you're supposed to be here on the weekends every Saturday. So now, when do you work and when do you make all that money? So for example, you have money, but then as a parent or as someone who's a guardian of some other people, or someone who has to pitch into the family income, you make money and then 50% of it, 70% of it is going to other people. Like for example, to pay the rent, or to pay for tuition, or to pay for the cell phone, or to pay for car insurance, or to pay for gas, or all of those hundreds of things. And so what happens? The money that you made is now gone. So for example, you go with your friends, and they're buying stuff, and you don't have a dollar in your pocket. You go to the cafeteria, and your friends are buying lunch, and you don't have any money to buy food. Let's say you're traveling, or even as you're walking, you drop your phone, you lose your phone, you lose your purse, you lose your wallet. The other day I walked into a public washroom and I saw a purse over there. And I was like, oh my God, poor woman, whoever forgot it here. Now a purse has a lot of stuff in it. And it was a big purse, not one of those small ones, it was a big one. Like you could have a lot of stuff in there, makeup and phone and wallet and you know, whatnot. So all of that, now the person lost it. So, نَقْسِمْ مِنَ amwal. Sometimes it happens that you get something and your parents kind of force you to share it with your siblings. So for example, you buy, you buy your cheesecake, whatever, you bring it home and you're looking forward to eat it and then there comes your dad and he has half of it. Alright? Or your mom and she has half of it and you're just staring and looking and you're like... I bought that for myself. Hmm? You buy your bag of chips and you're eating it. And your brother just comes and start munching it with you. You buy something for yourself and your children just come and start using it. You get a perfume, a super expensive one, and your brother just comes and shares a little bit. Your sister just comes and shares a little bit. This is naqsa min al-amwal, right? Now if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, He could have given us things that never end, that never decrease, that never finish. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us with naqsim min al-amwal. So what are we supposed to do? When somebody is eating half of our cake, when somebody keeps putting their hand into the bag of chips, when somebody keeps coming and just sharing some of that perfume, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to react? How are we supposed to respond? If you no longer have something, what should you do? Move on. Don't dwell on that loss. Don't keep that in your heart. Oh, my father ate half of my cheesecake. Well, you enjoyed the other half. Right? Don't dwell on your loss. Think about what you still have. So move on. What else? Think about the reward that you're getting instead of the enjoyment that your taste buds are going to have. Go ahead. Trust that even if you give something away, even if you don't have something anymore, Allah will always give you something more and something better. 
Exactly. Have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is al-razzaq. The continual provider. You know, one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-razzaq, the provider. And another is al-razzaq. Continual provider. Meaning He provides you continuously, again and again. Over and over. So if you did not get to have the other half of your cheesecake today, doesn't mean you'll never have cheesecake again? Is that what it is? No. So have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have trust in Him that He will give you what you need. So naqsam min al-amwal, shortage of wealth, loss of wealth, reduction of wealth, is a reality of life. But we need to deal with this. How? With patience, with hope, and with trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here means that you trust Allah's wisdom and His decision. That if He has decided to not give us something or to take something away from us, it's for some good. He knows what He's doing. Alright. The next one is anfus, Reduction of people. And this means either loss of people or of health or of friends. Meaning people will die, people in your life, they will no longer be there, or they will move on, or in your body, you will experience a decline in health. So give me an example of this. Okay, so for example, a person feels unwell, they go to the doctor and they find out that there's a serious problem with them in their body, and they need surgery, and let's say a part of their body needs to be removed. Or, for example, that treatment is going to cause immense pain. So, what should we do in this situation on hearing such news or on going through this pain? How should we deal with this test? How should we? Okay, by making dua. What else? Again, trust Allah's decree. Realize that with this pain, inshallah, your sins will also fall. Exactly. There's always a reason behind why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would decree something for you. So even for the sickness, there's some wisdom. Yeah? Take this as an opportunity to reconnect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another example of naqsim min al-amwal wal-anfus, loss of people, is that sometimes you're very close to somebody, an individual. And then what happens? You don't get along with them anymore. Somebody that you used to hang out with is now causing you pain, is now hurting you. You miss the good times. And so we see that sometimes even families get separated. There is divorce. Or friends are no longer friends. People that you were so close to are no longer with you anymore. You used to work with them for like a good 10 years and now you no longer work there. You went to school with them for a good 8 years and now you no longer go to the same school as them. Somebody in your family, like for example an older sibling, gets married and moves to a different country. Your dad you know, has to work in a different country, in a different city. So these people were with you in your life And now because of different circumstances They can no longer be with you And so you feel lonely You feel hurt So in these situations what should you do? How do you deal with this test? What does patience mean here? Like how would you act patiently in a situation like this? Now what happens is that You know when we're with people when there are people around us who are willing to listen to us, 
You know, every little thing, we go and tell them. We go and tell them. And that's okay. But when we're always talking to people, then we don't enjoy salah. We don't enjoy dhikr. We don't enjoy reciting the Qur'an. Because we want to spend time with people. But now, those people are no longer there. They're busy. You call your friend, she's always at school. You call your daughter, she just got married, and now she's busy. She's living her own life. Who do you vent to? Who do you talk to? Who do you share your feelings with now? You can no longer do that with those people anymore. So now it kind of forces you to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Has it ever happened that you go to, let's say an event, and you're expecting to find some of your friends there, and guess what? You don't know anybody over there. Your friends didn't show up. Are you forced to talk to different people now? Yeah? Do you get to meet new people, talk to them, make new friends? Yes. So remember that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking some people away from you, He will bring other people in your life also. So again, stop looking at your loss only. Look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you now. Alright. The next one is وَالثَّمَرَاتِ Loss of produce. Food in particular. That you had food and it's no longer there. So that is also painful. And again, we deal with it. How with sabr. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ Give good news to people who are patient. When do you give good news to someone? Or what is good news supposed to be about? What is good news? When someone has passed, or when they have gotten something, like for example, once there was a companion, this is a very interesting story, Ka'bin Malik radiallahu anhu, he made a big mistake, and for an entire month, basically, the people were told not to speak with him even. So what happened, Ka'ab bin Malik radiallahu anhu, he repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he was really sad, he kept turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses regarding him, accepting his repentance. And so you know what happened, as soon as the companions found out, that Ka'ab radiallahu anhu's repentance has been accepted, they ran from the masjid, to give Ka'ab radiallahu anhu the good news. So what happened, one man ran, and another man said, okay, he's running, let me grab the horse, so I'll get there faster. So he got onto his horse and started running towards the house of Ka'ab bin Malik radiallahu anhu. Now the man who was running, when he saw the rider, he said, oh, he's gonna beat me. So you know what he did? He got on top of a hill, alright, and he screamed out. He yelled out that Ka'ab, rejoice, your tawbah has been accepted. So when someone has, you know, won something, they have passed a test, then you give them good news. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بَشِّرِ sabirin, Give good news to those who are patient. So what this means is, that every time we face a test in life, whatever test that may be, it's actually an opportunity to do sabr. It's an opportunity for success. It's an opportunity to receive this good news. وَبَشِّرِ sabirin. And what does sabr look like? الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةً Sabirin are those people who, as soon as some calamity hits them, what is their immediate response? قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ 
They say we belong to Allah and to Him we return. So do you know this statement? When do we typically say this? We hear our parents saying this when somebody dies. Isn't it? But you say this statement anytime you are in difficulty. Whatever that difficulty may be. So for example, you are writing your test and as you're writing your test, you see a word that you have no idea about. You see verses that you don't recognize at all. And you're like, now what? So you know what your response should be first and foremost? إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ That I don't recognize any of this. Then you take a deep breath. And then you begin with hope. And the best that you can do. And you leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That even in this inshallah, there will be good. You say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ At the time when you put your hand in your pocket, expecting that you will have money there, and you find out there is no money. You say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ When you realize something of yours has been stolen, or something of yours has broken, when something of yours has gotten lost, how do we typically respond to these situations? What do we actually say? We curse, isn't it? We say like dirty words. Words that refer to defecation and things like that. Seriously. What's the point? What's the purpose of saying these disgusting words? Like what's the relevance here? And sometimes we won't say it. We'll say a slightly different version of it. Like for example, we'll say, shoot. Of course, everybody knows what you mean. Right? You'll say, geez. What's the point of saying that? Or for instance, you know, we'll say acronyms that refer to dirty words. BS. What does BS mean? I mean, you know what it means. What's the point of saying that? Is that really something nice? I mean, firstly, you're in some difficulty. And now you're saying nasty words? Stinky words? What's the relationship? Really, I don't get it. Just because we hear people saying these dirty words, it doesn't mean it's cool to say them. Remember what we learned? Even when you face such a big loss as death, what kind of words do you use? Positive or negative? Positive words or negative words? Positive words. So when you're in some trouble, don't say dirty words. Don't say nasty words. Don't say stinky words. Say words that will give you hope. Say words that will bring you Allah's mercy, not words that will take you further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we get angry, we start cursing. We start using obscene language. We start using words or we start talking to people in a way that is so disgusting. And then later on we say, oh, I'll just do sabr. No. Sabr is at the time when you're struck by difficulty. Your first reaction. You know, like once the Prophet ﷺ was walking and he saw a woman crying a lot sitting by a grave. Alright, she was sitting by a grave. I guess someone she loved passed away. So this woman was crying a lot. So the Prophet ﷺ encouraged her to be patient. And this woman gave a very nasty response. So later people told her that, do you know who that was? That was the Prophet ﷺ. And then she felt really bad, so she went and apologized to the Prophet ﷺ. And he said that, Sabr 
is at the first strike of the calamity. Meaning, as soon as you're struck, as soon as you get hit, as soon as you get hurt, your first response, that is where you need sabr. So something crazy happens, something terrible happens, and you don't even know how to process that in your head, you know what you should say instantly? إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Because it takes time to figure out what just happened, right? So before even you can understand what happened, say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Everybody say it. Again. So when can you say these words? Give me five examples quickly. You hurt your foot on the table. You broke something. Something very precious to your mom or something that was very precious to you. You broke it. Go ahead. You lost your phone. Fourth. Anything else? You're ironing your beautiful dress and you burn it. إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Instead of throwing the iron and cursing the iron and cursing everybody on the planet, what should you do? إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Okay, you are getting late. You're stuck in traffic. Alright? You have to be somewhere on time and you're stuck in traffic. إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ You get sick or somebody else gets sick. So these are all situations when we say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ So those who respond to difficulty in this manner, Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَلَوَاتٌ مِّن رَبِّهِمْ Those are the people on whom are blessings from their Lord. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises them, He rewards them, He helps them, وَرَحْمَ And Allah's mercy also. So they are at peace. They're calm. وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُهْتَدُونَ And those are the people who are rightly guided. They're not on the wrong track, they're on the right track. They're on the path to success. So such people will be successful. You know, somebody said that do you react to life or do you respond to life? What does it mean by that? You know, if you're taking some medicine and your body is reacting to it, what does it mean? What does it mean? You're breaking into a rash, you're getting more sick, right? So there's something wrong that's happening. But if you are taking some medicine and your doctor says you're responding well to this, what does it mean? That your your body is benefiting from that treatment. So whenever something bad happens, we can either react to it, meaning in a negative way, get upset, use filthy language, And the other way is that we respond to it. How? By turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by placing our trust in Him, by expecting the best from Him. And there are two completely different ways of life. So those who respond with patience are the ones who are successful. Verse number 158. Inshallah in this verse we will see an example of sabr, how a person is supposed to do sabr. And what happens when you do sabr? But before that, an important thing we learn from the previous verses is that as soon as you're struck by some difficulty, your first response should be to say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Why say, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ What's the benefit of saying that? 
السلام عليكم I would like to share with you guys with the verses in few months ago in April I lost my mother and I was at work during work subhanallah like it's a situation you will never be prepared for losing a loved one especially losing your own mother and I remember the first thing that happened when I received a call that your mom is in the hospital and she will not survive till the evening and first thing that came to me was these verses that to Allah we belong and to him we shall return and in these verses to me what I took off that no matter what situation is that in the situation at that time my mom was alive that I would told myself it will come to an end inshallah she will come out of this and survive that was the thoughts and the process of my brain and exactly two weeks later my mother passed away and it's literally is one of the hardest thing seeing your own mom in front of your eyes and like dying right in front of your eyes and us saying inna lillah wa inna ilayhi rajiun at that moment was this life will come to an end that to Allah we belong and to him we shall return to Allah no matter what this dunya you're going through it will come to an end that knowing no matter what calamity you're going through it was bigger than anything and knowing your purpose of living in life that you will return to Allah how are you going to return to Allah what is your purpose and what is your hope so when we see the Quran every single day and we learn du'as and we are you know praying five times a day it is not for no purpose it is for you and a guideline for you to prepare you that in that calamity it's either two things that will happen that you will have sabr and you will have your salah first and you will have patience because if you're not prepared for that situation if you don't prepare yourself now during your happy moments and what Allah is blessing you that you'll be grateful and you get up your five times a day and do your du'a and stay attached to the Qur'an and connect to your Qur'an during your hard time I guarantee you guys that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not leave you and Allah will not forsake you and that during that hard time you will find ease so it's up to us to be connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and use the Quran and the Prophet's du'as and the sunnah that he left us for us to be inshallah strong and knowing that we will return to Allah and that's the verses I wanted to share with you guys the lessons I took with inna you see the statement means that we belong to Allah what else belongs to Allah everything so whatever I have lost belong to Allah already. Whether it's a person or a thing or a part of me, whatever it is ultimately belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when I say, inna lillah, what I'm saying is that what I lost has actually gone back to its original owner. Wa inna ilayhi raji'un, And soon I have to go also. Everybody has to go back to Allah. So okay, today so and so went, very soon my turn is also coming. And reinforcing this fact, reminding yourself of this fact, you know, gives you peace. And telling yourself that it's going back to Allah, back to the one who is the most merciful, then why worry? 
you know, when you're in some difficulty, but there's someone there who loves you and who cares about you. You feel at ease. So reminding yourself that Allah is there, inna lillah, will give you peace at a time when you're very sad. You see, at the beginning we learned, seek help through patience and prayer. And we have to pray five times a day. Have you ever wondered why five times a day? Like why not three or once? Why five? Because five times a day we are made to practice turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Leave what you're doing, turn to Allah. Leave what you're doing, turn to Allah. And this is a practice for times when you will be in difficulty. That as soon as you're in difficulty, what do you do? Turn to Allah. Turn to Allah. إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ 